Welcome to the Holy Ship Podcast. These are conversations about church leadership and culture. I'm Scott Neal, your host. On this episode, we have a young top shelf leader, a young man who is changing the world, a preacher, a husband, a father, a man who knows what it's like to be addicted to dying and depression, but because of Jesus is now addicted to living and joy. I am talking about the one and only Chris Du. Welcome to the Holy Ship Podcast, Chris. Hey, man, it's an honor to be on. Absolute <laughs> honor to be on. Well, I am glad you are. Hey, you know, it has been four years since you and I first sat down really? to record a podcast. It's been that long? That? Yeah. It was in September of uh, 2017. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Absolutely wild it's been that long. A lot has happened since then. Yeah, a lot has happened. I want to get into some of the things that have actually happened. Uh, When we first recorded a podcast back in 2017, you were recently married. You just got married to your beautiful wife, Kathleen. Is uh, she still putting up with you? Yes. Yes, man. She has lots of patience and lots of grace on me. And uh, yeah, man. So we've been married almost five years now that's right in just a couple of months you'll be celebrating your fifth anniversary time has gone by i'm sure it has flown man it's flown and you've also uh, had the birth of your your beautiful daughter evelyn joy is that right yeah that is man so she's about <laughs> six months old now a little bit over six months old and is uh a whole lot like her daddy which <laughs> which is a good thing in some ways and then we're a little nervous in some ways <laughs> What's good about that? Um, well, um, she's very passionate, um, yeah. so that can be used hopefully for good things and has some strong <laughs> convictions about what she likes and what she doesn't like. So. Right. Now, are you and your beautiful wife uh, sleeping or uh, is she keeping you up at night? Yeah, so uh, we had been sleeping really good. Uh, it was about 12 hours a night until last night, actually, okay. um, and we are unswaddling her right now which is, it's, it's a whole deal. Uh, so we yeah. didn't sleep much last night, but uh, you know, that's why we have a whole bunch of coffee right next to me right now. Right. <laughs> the coffee keeps us all going, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Amen. Hey, man, you also, uh, since the last time we talked, you released your first book, The Real Answer to Addiction, man. Congratulations on your book, by the way. I appreciate it, man. Um, you know, there's a lot of pain in that, as you know. Uh, yeah. I think you got a copy uh, in the mail, man. And, um, you know, there's a lot of pain, uh, but you know that is a um, a t- spot in culture right now. Uh, you know that I yeah. feel like is a huge felt need. Uh, yeah. That I feel like that you know that I had a little bit of uh, you know value to add in uh, you know the conversation with uh, you know just my story from heroin addiction yeah. and and you know all the things that uh, that I've learned over the past almost 11 years now yeah. of uh, you know walking with Jesus, man. So. Um, it was a sweet process. You know, writing is very different from speaking and yes, sermon prep and all that stuff. Yeah. Man, but I really enjoyed uh, you know the process of writing it, and I'm hoping uh, to write more in the future, possibly. Well, I'll tell you what. When I saw it come out, I was so excited for you. And uh, in fact, there are no doubt some folks listening to this podcast who are this is their first introduction to you, Chris. They're they're you know maybe they heard the first one, possibly they didn't because it's been four years ago. Yeah. So I'd love for you to take just a just a couple three mo- minutes here and just give a little backstory to who Chris Do is and how this kind of book came to be about. Just share a little bit of of who you are and and from where you've come. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So um, I'm originally from Raleigh, North Carolina, and had a horrible speech impediment as a kid. I could not talk at all. 
Uh, I couldn't order food at restaurants. I couldn't answer questions in class. Um, hopping on a podcast with somebody like you would be my greatest fear, right? Like could not do it. This was, you know, horrible. Um, and also I had this emptiness on, uh, you know, the inside of me that I really didn't understand why it was there. And I was like a hole in my soul. And with all that anxiety and the speech impediment stuff and you know, the emptiness and that hole in my soul, um, as a small kid, uh, I just made a decision that I was going to try to get as much pleasure from you know, the world as possible. And I went hard into anything I could get my hands on. Uh, you know, it was like sports and stuff at first, and then it was popularity and then eventually girls and pornography. Um, and eventually I smoked weed for the first time. And I thought I'm, you know, had my answer. I was like, this is great. Uh, you know, it kind of calms me down a little bit. The hole that's in me kind of shrinks for a little bit. Um, and uh, the plan was only uh, to smoke weed, though. That's the only thing I ever was going to do. Harder drugs were not for me. It was just weed. Uh, but pretty quickly, it escalated. And I was on harder and harder and harder drugs. And eventually, I was a heroin addict. Um, as a senior in high school, um, I was a full-blown heroin junkie. And uh, as you can imagine, that was, that was a pretty hard type of lifestyle. You know, all kinds of issues from health issues, uh, you know, to legal issues, to family issues, financial issues, all kinds of different things. Um, and I was like, man, I got to get off of this stuff. This is really bad. <laughs> this is ruining my life. So I was uh, you know, in and out of treatment centers and I uh, you know, tried everything to get sober. I was in and out of meetings. I was on all kinds of medication and I could not get sober, Scott. I, I, I tried all the world had to offer in that realm. Every single, all the counseling, all the, everything. And I was a junkie still. Um, I got down to like a hundred pounds, um, and uh, you know, was at rock bottom. Um, had a few other things that happened uh, that I think we chat about last time. I lost my dad. Uh, you know, found him dead of a heart attack, and uh, and just hit a bottom. Um, and I was out of money, and I was t- twenty years old. And uh, the options were either uh, to be homeless um, or uh, to try yet another treatment center. And I ended up at a treatment center in Florence, South Carolina. Um, And I was there for about a week and I was invited to a church service. And I was not raised in the church. I didn't have any higher power view or anything like that. I was just like, yeah, it's Christmas Eve. I'll go. I heard there's like hot girls and cool music. So Mm -hmm. let's go check it out. And I went, uh, but that night I heard about Jesus. I heard the gospel and I had heard it, uh, you know, as a 12 year old, as a 15 year old ongoing, but like I heard it that night, you know, like the Holy Spirit just, man, he woke me up in a moment. And I know that's a rare story, right? People normally have that slow kind of progression towards Christ. I had an instantaneous, I was a, you know, heroin junkie who could not talk. I heard the gospel. I placed my faith in Jesus. Um, and it was 11 years ago and I've been following him ever since all by his grace. Uh, but yeah, man. So, um, yeah, man, I've been clean ever since. And then a few months after that, I felt a call to ministry and I was like, what does that look like? He's like, I want you to travel and preach the gospel. And I was like, bro, I I literally can't order a hamburger at a restaurant. I cannot talk. This is a terrible idea, God. 
Um, then I read Exodus and I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is, <laughs> this is in here. Right. Uh, but I, um, I was like, man, I'm in, I guess, uh, you know, yeah. if you can use me and if this is uh, the call you have on my life, then I'm, I'm here for it. Um, and slowly over time, he's healed my speech about 80% of the way, possibly. Um, I have some hesitations, you know, every now and then and you'll hear it on this podcast, but, um, I've been, uh, you know, traveling and preaching now for almost seven years. Um, and it has been a wild ride, man. So, you know, that's a little bit of my yeah. story and, and, and uh, so the much more of it is in, is in your book and so. people can pick up your book and, and read it and, and also listen to you got so many messages online and different places where people can hear you. And I want to get to your, your travel schedule. Cause it is booming. It looks like you are busy, too busy sometimes, <laughs> man. It's, it's hard Scott, because you know, as you know, like early on, all the options were either bad or good. You know, it's either I'm going to go and I'm going to use drugs. That's bad. Yeah. Or I'm going to go to church and that's yeah. good. <laughs> but slowly over time, as you keep following Jesus, it's either, okay, these opportunities are good or they're great opportunities. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I have to say no to the good in order to say yes to the great. Sure. Yeah, there's a book on that. Right. But then yeah. now it's like all the opportunities are either great or they're actually from God. Wow. And I think that's the hard spot because I want to say yes to all the good ones and the great ones and some of the bad ones sometimes, yeah, you sure. know, but he's like, man, I I have a call on your life and this is what it is. And yeah. I am, I'm hard headed though in that yeah. space. So, so I say yes to more than I should probably. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it's, it's, it's real fun to watch you grow. It's, it's incredible to stand back and just kind of watch on social media and see the churches you're at and the audience that God has just allowed you to speak to and have influence in their lives. I mean, it's really fun because I remember four years ago when you came, uh, you were just really getting started and kind of getting your schedule filled. And, you know, we had the honor of having you here and just to watch you be able to stand up and, and speak to our our folks and so many of our folks just fell in love with you. And I know they continue to pray for you. And there's probably even a few that continue to follow your, your, uh, your ministry and your podcast, which I want to get to in a minute and pick up your book. And I've even had some discussions uh, in counseling sessions. And I use you as an example on, of man. what, of what God Lord. has done. And it's just great. So to stand back and just watch you continue to grow and move into your calling in such an almost uh, just a, almost effortless. I mean, it's just the schedules are just unfolding. God's given you influence. And there's people who have an audience that's, that's pulled you under their wing and mentoring you, I know, and, and opening up doors. It's just beautiful, Chris. So I'm proud of you. I and appreciate uh, it, it's, it's just amazing it, to, to watch what's going on, man. So it, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's his grace, man. Absolutely his grace. I'm just hanging on for dear life. Um, and I'm extremely thankful for pastors like yourself who when you know, you're like, who is this kid with long hair? Kind of looks like a drug addict still. I don't know if he's sober. Yeah. I'll have him into my church <laughs> and, right. and uh, to speak still, man. And like, yeah. you know, just um, am, am just really grateful. Oh, you know, I have man. people like you in my life no, who, uh, who it, just taking joy. a chance on me. No, it, it was It was an honor for us to have you here. And uh, again, just watching you continue to do what you do best. It's just beautiful. You know, I, I, I noticed that the amount of substance abuse uh, disorders in our country are just exploding. Uh, I see it everywhere. Uh, believe you even have a stat, I believe, on your website that says 20 million substance abuse disorders in, in our nation, 200 people dying every day. I mean, that that's staggering. When you really think about it, that is unbelievable. 
And you are right in the middle of that, trying to bring hope and, and yeah. trying to bring joy to people who are chasing joy. I know that uh, that's something that I remember very well when you first came and, and spoke on that, talking about kind of switching out the, the joy, that when you, when you find the joy in Christ, that it can replace so much of the synthetic joys in our life, which I think is just a, an incredible way of communicating the you know, deliverance of Christ and replacing that fake joy. So, you know, the, this past Sunday, I don't, this is, I don't want to get too far into this, but this past Sunday I talked about, you know, the woman at the well and when Jesus comes and, you know, her life is impacted at the very end of that, he tells his disciples, you know, you guys have a saying four more months and, and then, then the harvest. But I say, you know, look now it's, it's right in front of you. So Chris, you're, you're traveling, you're going to these churches, you're, you're, you're crisscrossing our nation. You're in smaller churches, larger churches. You're no doubt hearing story after story at the end of your messages from parents and people telling you about, yeah, you know, yeah. the, how drugs have impacted. You're, you're seeing a white harvest field. Are you not? Yeah, man. I think it's interesting in culture right now, just as I travel, it's, uh, twofold kind of and i'm sure that it's exactly the same way with you um in you know one sense i sense a hardening to the gospel in america uh with all the political you know division and stuff and i feel like that our culture or or um the church has kind of gotten a reputation that's not great over the past three four five years um so in one space, it's that, right? There's a hardening to, oh yeah, you're about that stuff that I see on the news and therefore I don't want any part of you. Yet on the other side, uh, that I think there is um, a harvest that's happening, especially in the realm of addicts, you know, because they have tried everything the world has to offer. Um, and I think uh, that COVID was especially hard for a lot of addicts because they were isolated. Uh, I, I explained this uh, story in, I think, chapter five of my book, uh, but there's this analogy called Rat Park. And I think you've heard me talk about this before. But uh, there was a study done a long time ago where uh, this scientist put a, a rat in an empty cage and that they had a plain water bottle in there and a water bottle that had opiates in it. And almost 100% of the time uh, that the rat would try the heroin water bottle and he'd get addicted to it and then he'd OD and die. Mm. And uh, that's how we understood addiction for so long in America is that if you have access, you know, uh, to heroin, crack or whatever it is, uh, then you'll use it and that you you know, ultimately die, right? So we have had the approach of uh, you know, the war on drugs, right? right? So if you are on drugs and we put you in a cage, ultimately in jail, and that eventually like you'll learn your lesson because you're not exposed to it, all those things. But in the 80s, there was another study done. Uh, it was in Canada by a, a, a man named Bruce Alexander. Um, and he did this thing called Rat Park. And what he did is he made this huge cage with all these rats, all this cheese in there, swinging things, all kinds of stuff in this place. And he had the exact same two water bottles, a plain water bottle and a heroin water bottle. And it's interesting because in the isolated environment, almost 100% of the time that they would try it and they like it and they get addicted to it. Yet in Rat Park, hardly any of the rats actually use the heroin. 
Wow. Super interesting, right? Because yeah. in the isolated environment, I use it, I get addicted. Yet in the connected environment, um, I won't use it. So quarantine for many addicts has acted like that empty uh, cage for them, right? That I'm an isolated rat in the cage and I had community in AA or NA in church or whatever, but now I'm, you know, isolated and I'm addicted again. So, so there's in, been an explosion of, of, of more use during COVID. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been an explosion. And I, I don't know the exact number. I wish I could quote it, but it's more overdoses in 2020 than ever in the history of our wow. country. The highest amount ever. And man, addicts are hungry for hope. All people I feel like are hungry for hope, but uh, the addicts I interact with on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis and stuff, man, they are hungry for community, hungry for hope, hungry for that joy that you were talking about uh, that isn't found in the alcohol and drugs and stuff. They've tried that yet um, it's instant satisfaction and then long-term emptiness. Yet with Jesus, it's slow, patient, rhythmic joy. And you know, that's what I'm addicted to today. Um, yeah. And that's what I see a lot of people uh, responding uh, you know, to, is that offer. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, so when you go to these, uh, when you go to the churches and you talk, no doubt, with the pastors and, and staff members and, and parents and things like that, and they're telling you stories, you know, probably of their city and what's happening within them. Uh, how, do you, how do you help some of these pastors or you know, get started in, in reaching addicts. I mean, that's not an easy thing. And maybe I'm just, you know, kind of, you know, confessing here my own weakness, but that it's, it's not easy, Chris, you know, there's, you, you, you typically, this is just my experience. You typically don't open the door on Sunday morning and a lot of addicts walk in and, you know, walk to the front and, you know, and, and give their life to Christ and have the story that you have. Uh, you, even you mentioned, you know, that's, that's a, it's a rare thing that there was this instantaneous meeting of Christ and boom, delivered. Most of them continue to struggle and battle and they don't have the connections when they leave the church and they're embarrassed to walk in the doors. And a lot of pastors feel very untrained and they don't know what to say to them or how to help them. So can you give a little bit of maybe some things that the average local church might do in their community or, or city to, to help bring some hope to these yeah. addicts? Absolutely, man. Well, there's a, a spectrum of options. Um, and a lot of the content that I'm about to explain uh, comes from Fuller Seminary. That took a yeah. class out there. Um, and I actually have a podcast with uh, you know, one of the professors uh, that's on the Real Answer to Addiction podcast where he outlines this. So this is all from them. Uh, it's not okay. personal stuff. Uh, but uh, there's a whole spectrum, right? One end of the spectrum is to just be a recovery-friendly church. All that means is that you're heavy on grace, have some resources there aimed at helping addicts, have some connections with some counselors in the area that you can outsource, and uh, to maybe once a year, you know, have a Sunday aimed at addiction and recovery. I mean, that is the, you know, entry level. You can do that like tomorrow yep. right and in some churches that's a process right to become a recovery friendly church sure. uh, but i think that's the lowest buy-in 
And honestly, that's what a lot of pastors want to do. They're like, hey, I don't feel called, uh, you know, to have a whole organization or anything in my church that helps addicts, yet I can be a recovery-friendly church, right? So, uh, you know, having some uh, cards in your care room or your prayer room that uh, that talk about addiction, uh, to train your care and prayer people on how to minister to them, all that type of stuff, right? So that's the easy buy-in. The next level is AA in the basement is what it's called, right? So this is just where you have an AA meeting in your church, uh, that you don't run it, uh, that you don't have anything to do with it. Uh, you literally open your building and you have an AA or NA building or, uh, you know, it's kind of small group in your right. church, which is, which is easy as well. You just have to open the door. And typically places like AA are looking for, for churches to have these meetings in that. So if you make yourself a recovery friendly church or you move on to the next level and say, Hey, you know, you guys can have an AA meeting here. Is that something that they'll probably take advantage of and, and use? Oftentimes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oftentimes. Yes. Cause there's lots of groups. I mean, uh, that are all over, um, you know, your t- city probably. I mean, if you hop okay. online and look up AA.com, I think it is. Sure. No, I think that's American airlines, but look up AA Alcoholics Anonymous right. and uh, to look up all the meetings in your area. And there's tons probably. Um, which is the awesome part about that is you get them in your doors. The crummy part about that is they're rarely going to come to your church, (laughs) you know, on Sunday, right? It's just a building to them. Right. The, uh, the next option, this is what we've done here at new spring is uh, to do a, a, you know, bridge group is what it's called. Right. So it's a 12 step open share group with a higher power. That's clearly defined as Jesus. Okay. So it's open share, Come as you are, even if you don't believe, you can come hang out here. And it's a cool thing for Christians who are also in recovery to have a home there where they can actually talk about their faith and, and all these things, right? So that's the uh, the bridge group. Uh, the next one after that uh, would be like a small group that, you know, has some content behind mm-hmm. it. So the... Uh, the Real Answer to Addiction has small group content. It's online. It's for free. So you can use that or like, I don't know, another small group curriculum aimed at freedom, aimed at addiction. And then after that is a whole uh, you know, department aimed at recovery. Uh, and that's where you have a worship gathering normally. Uh, you have counselors on staff sometimes. You have groups. You have retreats, all that. And then lastly, all the way at the other end of the spectrum is a um, t- church aimed only at people in recovery. And it's where that probably 80, 90% of your people have a past and addiction. And it's a thing where we're going to do 12 steps from the pulpit. Like we're going to aim this whole thing. Now, how, how many churches, recovery. not exactly how many, but are there many churches like that in, in our nation? No, I didn't think so. I know of three or four. Okay. Yeah. I know of three or four that do that. And it's really effective. Um, yet I like the model where you're integrating into the larger body. Um, there's a scripture and, and uh, this is out of context, but I think you'll get the point of what I'm using it for, uh, but Romans 11, it speaks about, uh, you know, the Gentiles being, uh, you know, grafted in, right. um, you know, and, uh, uh, the Jews are being cut off, right. How you graft something in is that you wrap it, right. That you connect it and then wrap it for a season. Right. Yet if you leave it wrapped, ultimately what happens is that it hinders its future growth. I think oftentimes what we do in recovery is that we um, are 
in the body, right? So then we leave this wrap of the recovery community on there forever. I'm always an addict. I'm always an alcoholic. And I'm a proponent of that. That's actually a hindrance of your future growth. I like the model where you're in recovery for a year, two, five, 10, 20, and then you're grafted into the body, have friends that aren't in recovery, have a small group that's just church people, you know, have spiritual mentors that aren't in recovery and stuff like that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Now I notice a lot, uh, new spring recovery. I see you post pictures there. You're speaking to that. Tell us a little bit about what new spring is doing in the recovery ministry. How effective is it? How many people you guys have coming? Trying to figure it out, Scott, trying to figure it out. So we started, this was four years ago, having an open share Christian group, right? So we have a strong leader here that's on staff, uh, uh, that has a past in addiction. He's been clean about 10 years and has a heart for helping addicts. So he just opened up, uh, you know, the doors and said, I'm going to have an open share group and uh, that we're going to talk about Jesus and the 12 steps. And so there was like one person that came for a long time and it was him and this one guy. And then it was three. Um, and then it slowly grew over time. And then it hit a threshold where there was about 50 or so people. Um, and we started meeting and I was like, man, I think we can have like a worship gathering for this and stuff. So we launched that in 20, I want to say 18, uh, that we launched uh, the worship gathering and uh, that we meet once a month there. It's about a hundred or so people that come 80 to a hundred people um, on an average night. I mean, there's a whole lot of treatment centers that come to that, mm-hmm. uh, but we do worship and preaching. Um, and then we try to integrate uh, the people that come into the life of our church. Um, we're about to start small groups as well uh, you know, that are more content driven um, as an on-ramp of how to be a disciple. Um, so we've got the open share group, have the monthly worship gathering, and also have uh, you know the content groups that are about to start up, man. But here's the beautiful thing about recovery ministry is there's a lot of room to innovate. Yeah. There's so much room because, I mean, hardly anybody has it figured out. And if uh, they have a good model that is awesome, you know, in the context they're in, but sometimes it doesn't work in every context. So there's right. tons of room, uh, you know, for innovation and dreaming and you know, leaning into the Holy Spirit on what, you know, how can we help addicts in our context? Right. You know, in, in, in my world, I've, I've tried to build, I think we've been reasonably effective here at Forest Park to create a recovery friendly environment here. We talk about recovery. I'm always mentioning from the front or at least often about, you know, counseling and therapy and AA. And we have, uh, you know, folks in our church who have gone through AA or still there that we sometimes highlight and, you know, I'll have coffee with them and talk and I do messages on addiction recovery and things like that, trying to create that atmosphere. But I always feel, Chris, that it's just not enough. And what I mean by that is I feel like the folks who who show up because maybe they see a quote from me on Facebook or something about recovery or I'm, you know, doing a message series on addiction, they come hopeful that they'll find more. And then that's really all we have to offer. We don't have a lot of small groups you know, around addiction, we, we do some referrals out, but I always feel that I'm just, I'm, I'm not offering very much to eat when they come. Mm. And that's always been something that's kind of bothersome to me, you know, because as a pastor, I want to make a, a genuine difference in their lives. And I feel like there's a little bit of, Hey, you know, come to us. We're friendly here. We're welcoming. They come 
And then they go, hey, do you guys have any groups or do you have any counseling sessions? And then we're like, yeah, we don't really have a whole lot. You know, I don't, that's just me, but I always felt like I, I just don't offer enough, but yet I know that it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of, of, of resources. And I don't mean money, but it, it takes some people who are truly committed to getting in the lives of these addicts and really loving them through the ugly process of recovery. So as a, you know, just one local pastor, it, it, it's a yeah. tension that I, I'm always trying to manage in my life. Yeah, no, but that's beautiful. And I think the initial step is having a heart for it. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing. A lot of pastors I meet with, they're like, I know it's a problem, but I don't really have a heart for it. I mean, really? I hate that it's happening, but I mean, that's how not does that, How does that settle with you when you hear something like that or you get that feeling? That's got to bother you because that was you. Yeah. I mean, that was you just 12 years ago. Yeah, I, mean, and it I understand just... the, <laughs> you know, I, I understand the sentiment, uh, you know, but yeah. then also, man, I know, um, you know, exactly what you're saying. It's, it's hard ministry and it's heartbreaking ministry yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. I mean, just recently I have had a few very, very close friends who had some strong recovery time who've been screwed up and are using yeah. again. And, and, um, it's, it's heartbreaking yet yeah. also, I mean, it's what Jesus did. Right. He yeah. went after the wild ones. He went after the uh, the ones that were the outcasts and uh, the ones that were, um, you know, t- t- shunned by the religious community. And I know I'm preaching yeah. to the choir here with you, man. But like, you know, that's what Jesus did. He went after yeah. the wild ones. But it's just not, you know, I just it, it's it's hard to admit. But I think in a lot of ways you know, you don't get the immediate return on the investment. And it's hard to say it that way. It's terrible. to. It sounds, you know, I don't even know. It just sounds so anti-Christ to say that. But you, you, you invest in someone and invest in them and invest in them. And, and you would never admit, I don't think any local pastor or, you know, would ever say, you know, well, I want to see a return on my investment. But there is a part that you go, how long do we invest? And then the person just, you know, goes right back out and uses again. And, just kind of disappears into the the night and you never see him again. And you just think, wow, am I, am I even making a difference here when there's other things I could be doing that probably would make an immediate difference. So I, I certainly get it, but boy, it's hard to admit that. And it's, 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 uh, I don't know. It just always has rubbed me the, the wrong way in my own life. So I just love to see what you're doing and, and how you're impacting people. It's beautiful. It's hard. And one of the things we're doing as well is that we have a few, uh, you know, key partnerships with churches uh, that I go in and teach, you know, three, four, eight times a year um, and are helping uh, to try to navigate that conversation in churches. Uh, You know, one in West Virginia and are having a few conversations with other ones right now in Florida and in Virginia to try to figure out, man, like, what does this look like? Uh, Because, you know, the pastors that have a heart and have experienced, uh, you know, the benefits and also the pain of helping addicts um, who are hungry uh, to help, man, I want to partner with people like that right. and, and uh, to help uh, to navigate it. And 
to try to figure it out. So when I figure it out, I'll get back on the podcast <laughs> and I'll tell you, this is what recovery yeah. ministry needs yeah. to look like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, listen, if people want to get up with you and learn more about this, it's christuministries.com. Yep. Yep. That's right? it, man. Yeah. So that'd be the best way probably just to kind of follow what you're doing. Plus, you know, they can uh, become... Uh, they can follow your Christie Ministries on Facebook and possibly Instagram. I'm yep. not sure what all the different handles you have there, but they can easily find you on Facebook. You're you're very easy to find. And plus the the you know your website, the book uh, that you've written, the real answer to addiction. Uh, it's easy to pick up. Purchase it through your ministry. Purchase it through other places too, like Amazon and different. It's places. on Amazon. It's yeah. on Barnes and Noble. All that. Okay, stuff. great. And yeah. pick it up. And I highly recommend anybody listening to grab Chris's book. It's an easy read, a challenging read too, at the same time, because it's really going to open up your world, maybe to a world that you don't think about very often, but pick the book up, get a few copies, pass them out to some friends, uh, churches. If there's a few pastors listening, it'd be a great book study uh, to take some your people through. If you're interested in looking at a, an addiction recovery ministry, this would get you at least started in the right direction. And then you could email Chris, uh, you know, uh, mess, instant message him or something on Facebook. He'll get back up with you as soon as he can. Invite him to your church, have him come in and, and do some ministry there too. And he'll get to you. He's busy right now, but he will eventually uh, probably be able to uh, to get you on on the schedule as well. I do have just a couple other questions for yeah. you, Chris. If, yeah, if you've got absolutely, time. come on. Uh, how, man. how how did how did the pandemic and, I, and some of this we kind of already know the answer, but I like to just from a more personal uh, perspective, how yeah. did it impact your your traveling and your I mean your ministry was just getting some traction and then all of a sudden you know so many things were canceled and large gatherings you couldn't get together and how did you kind of walk through that that time? Yeah, so you know for many. Um, and I want to be very sensitive here. It was a very, very hard season, right? People lost yeah. their lives. You know, addicts really struggled in a lot of ways. But from an introvert who's on the road so much, it was honestly yeah. a blessing in disguise oh, for really? me okay. uh, you know, to be able to to be home and uh, to be with my wife and, um, you know, to slow down for a little bit. Okay. Good. Uh, and it was it was a huge blessing on that from and I did a lot of walking, a lot of reading, yeah. uh, a lot of just healthy lifestyle stuff. Uh, I started going to seminary in that season because yeah, I just that was had my other question time. I had. I noticed you're at Trinity uh, Evangelical Divinity School. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I really love it. Uh, it's one of those things. I was not raised in the church. I didn't have hardly any understanding of uh, you know scripture and the context. All those things, man, that we learn. You know, over time, if you're in church, and I didn't have that, so I wanted yeah. to uh, to go back and and uh, to make sure that what I was teaching was orthodoxy and <laughs> and was uh, you know helpful. Um, so yes, started um, in the summer of 2020, and about halfway done with the masters now, which oh, you great. know. Um, I'm enjoying that. Yeah, but quarantine, man, as an introvert, I absolutely loved it. Uh, the travel schedule slowed down a lot. Uh, yeah. But honestly, the, as we look back at our numbers of you know, how many people we talked to in uh, you know, the fall once it opened back up and all that, we had a highlight year in 2020, which I don't know how that math works, yet yeah. the types of events that we were getting early on in 2020 and then also at the end just overcompensated uh, you know, the lack that we had there for a few months. Um, and then 2021 has been our highest year ever after that. So I don't know what happened in that season, yeah. uh, but the Lord, 
uh, you know, did his magic and, and, uh, you know, it was a really good year for us overall as a ministry. That's great. Well, Chris, before we wrap this up, I, I, I do, I'd like for you to, to talk to the parent, um, or maybe even the addict himself or herself who happened to be listening to this. Cause I know when I put the podcast out, I put your name on it. I talk about addiction recovery. There's going to be people who listen, who may have not heard any of the other podcasts, but they see that title. They see what we're talking about. They've heard me mention you before. We've had some folks in our church, very directly impacted with heroin addicts. We have a lot of, of, of heroin use in our area. Uh, we've had some, some tragedies happen over the last couple of years because of it. We've had people who come up to me on a consistent basis. Please pray for my son. Please pray for my, mm. my sister or my brother. So let's imagine they're listening right now and, you know, they, they wish they could have that instantaneous delivery yep. and, and power. But again, it's rare. So what, what about the mom who's discouraged right now? And what about the dad whose daughter, he, he doesn't even know where she is or if she'll make it through. Would you talk to him just a minute before we wrap yeah. this up? Absolutely, man. Um, one of the most helpful things I've heard on this is from Al-Anon. Um, they offer the three C's is what they call it. Um, what they say is that you didn't cause it, uh, that you can't control it, and uh, that you can't cure it. Hmm. You didn't cause it. It isn't your parenting. <laughs> you know, it's not what you did when they were a kid. It's 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 not your fault. Yeah. And the harder one is that you can't control it. Even as a pastor who helps addicts all the time, that I can help, you know, the random person at the rehab center or the church service. Yet when it's my people, uh, you know, my friends that I've known for years and years and years that I did ministry with and, and are close to me, I want to control it, man. Like, stop, stop, you know, here's yeah. what you need to do. Here's the action steps, but I, I can't, um, and I can't cure it. You know, I cannot, um, you know, heal them. Uh, that's an act of God. So that's one thing. I think that's the most helpful thing I've heard that yeah. just frees us up yeah. to, you know, to love and, uh, you know, to pray, yet also not to carry the weight on us. Uh, because one of the things that's very common in, uh, you know, the addiction world is that the family gets, you know, as sick as the addict sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, the new God of the family is the addict. We got to help them. I mean, we can't do that. We have to make you know, the real God our God and then uh, you know, to love them out of an overflow of that uh, relationship that we have. So that's one piece is, is uh, you know, that, that it's not your fault and that it's not up to us uh, to heal them. But then on the other side of the spectrum, like uh, there's hope. <laughs> like I have seen uh, lots and lots of drug addicts hear the gospel and follow Jesus and live in freedom. I, that's a real thing that happens. And it isn't just once in a while, it happens. Like people are responding to the gospel and through the power of Jesus, his kingdom is coming into their life in such a profound way that they don't use drugs anymore because they have uh, found a greater joy. And it's his presence. So don't lose hope. And it's also helpful to understand it's a spiritual battle. Uh, that addiction is a complex result of the fall and it involves, you know, spiritual warfare. It involves trauma. It involves spiritual malady, right? It's, it's complex. 
Uh, it involves mental health issues oftentimes. It's a complex result of the fall. Yet, uh, as Christ came, you know, in what he did in his life and as his crucifixion and in the resurrection, he overturned all the results of the fall, yeah. right? He brought his kingdom. So it's not just forgiveness of sins. It's he heals minds, right? Yeah. He heals, uh, you know, diseases. He casts out devils. He, he's, it's, it's holistic transformation that is offered in Jesus. And so pray, like it's a spiritual battle. Yeah. Let's pray for our addicts. Let's pray for the people we love because I believe that that's really the only um, practical way to help is to pray and, uh, you know, to love, uh, to keep the relationship intact, yet not enable them. It's a hard, hard road uh, to walk there uh, because there's holes on either side of that, right? It's either that I want to, uh, to cut the relation off completely or that I want to hand them money and uh, to let them live with me and, and, you know, to enable, right? So you got to keep that intention as well. Uh, but ultimately, it's not your fault, yet there is hope, and the answer is Jesus. That's great. Well, Chris, it's been an honor to have you here, buddy. Real honor. I love you, man. I yeah, love you a whole too, bunch, man. We need to chat good. after this yeah. ends, and I want to yeah. hear about your life. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're proud of you, and uh, just want you continue to expand and grow and just do amazing things. So thank you for being with us on the Holy Shift Podcast. It's a real honor. I appreciate it, my friend. It's always a pleasure. <laughs>